1: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we dig into why people do the things they do and why people think the way they do when it comes to dating. Hey Julie, good to see you. Hey, good to see you too. I'm bummed we were supposed to see each other tomorrow, but now I'm going down to SoCal to see my parents, which I'm very excited about, but it kind of ruined our plans to meet up. But that's okay, right? I still get to see you on I'll video. I'll still be here. I'll still be here <laughs> when you return. <laughs> if not, I'll see you in the interwebs until then. <laughs> and Julie, um, this kind of out in the open. Julie tends to cheat on me with our other friend, Louise. <laughs> and... <laughs> Hey, all three of us were supposed to hang out. It was supposed to be it's a triad true. situation, it's, true. Okay? it's a triad situation, <laughs> and I was totally cool with it, but now it's going to be at like a one-on-one. And I, I, you know, I, sharing is caring. I'm all about that. But, you know, if you go for it, you know, you have my blessing, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I guess
0: technically you guys were friends first, but we did mu- meet, all meet, through a mutual friend. but you guys became friends first.
1: Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. There. (laughs) There. I got dibs. It's a competition.
0: Hey, let's not be monogamous. Let's be open. Let's be fluid. Let's let everyone I'm trying to be uh,
1: super fluid right now. I <laughs> did, uh, so I did start watching Indian Matchmaker. Oh, yes. Me too. On, me too. Or Indian Matchmaking on Netflix because people in our Facebook group keep talking about it. And Aparna, who is a very <laughs> controversial character, said something yesterday that, that really blew my mind. It was such a simple concept. She said, we don't choose our siblings. We don't choose our parents. The only family member we get to choose is our spouse. So I'm going to take my time choosing my spouse. Hey,
0: you know, that kind of reminds me of like Amy Spencer in the episode we did, Meeting Your Half Orange with the book. I remember her saying Mm -hmm. like, buying new shoes, that's a small decision. (laughs) Finding your spouse, that's a massive decision and you should not take it lightly like it's something you should be picky about you don't have to be picky about like what ice cream you get but you should be picky about like what who your spouse is
1: right and so for anybody who's feeling frustrated or fatigued think of this as such a fun option you get to do in your lifetime. Some people didn't have the, the chance to pick their spouse. Totally. But now you do. So this is a, I think this is a very positive way of looking at it.
0: So I started a little dating experiment. I oh. kind of shared it with you a little, but I didn't want to say what it was because I know you like to like get it on the fly. I love surprises. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it stemmed from actually last episode that we ran with Minji that we mm-hmm. reran uh, last week as a bonus episode where we were talking about how when we started this podcast, it was all about dating in SF. And we thought that it was like a unique snowflake of dating here. And then we quickly realized that people everywhere had similar challenges. So mm-hmm. because of you know, COVID and all the dating apps are making it very flexible to change your location, I've decided that every week I'm gonna switch up my location and what? see what the dating scene is like in different places. Like when else. Can you can I- do that? Oh yeah, you can.
1: You I'm can I'm so out of the loop. Do you have you to can. pay for that? Nope. Or- no, you don't. <laughs> so you could just be like in Bumblefuck, Nebraska. Yep, and- yep I can. Right now They're- I'm in, in, in um, I'm in Austin, Texas right now. <laughs> hey, scoping out the good. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, why
0: not? I know. And I think it's like one of those things that I have some hypotheses as a researcher does, right? It's like, mm-hmm. will it be the same in different places? Like I'm curious, will Men make be more aggressive in different places. I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that we hear a lot in San Francisco, but also across everywhere that just like people aren't initiating convos as much. So it's like that. I'm curious about like if the initiation goes up in different places. I'm also curious just of the vibe of the type of men I'm swiping on. Uh, For Mm -hmm. context, I'm heterosexual, so I'm swiping on men. So again, this is. A one-person experiment, this is not scientific at all, but that's kind of like where the parameters are. And I'm also super curious if like the bad dating behavior or the bad app behavior happens, like people just mm. flaking mid-convo. And the other thing I'm interested in, especially during COVID, is... The rush to meet up, like, are there some Mm. cities where people are more open to video versus like down to just meet up immediately, or maybe it's case by case, and there really cannot be any conclusions drawn. So that's what I'm curious about. And have you seen anything? So I'll give you my very small anecdote. So far, I've only been in a couple places, and I've only been for a couple days. So I wanted to get your thoughts to where else I should go after Mm, this. And maybe
1: wait. Can you go across the pond? I you can go, go anywhere. I can oh, literally go sweet. anywhere. So
0: listeners, too, if you have a location suggestion that you want me to scope out, let me know. So I've been only in two places so far. This is a very new experiment. So I was in L.A. So I chose Venice Beach because I love Venice Beach. If I was to live in L.A., I would live there. I also tried to pick, like, the location that I would be in. Um, and then I did Austin. Austin which, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm blanking on the area I chose, but I did some research of like what the hip areas were. So I chose one of those, but. So you
1: have to choose specifically an area too? Yeah, you
0: can just bring your little location tab. So also just for background, I've only been doing this on Hinge because that's typically the app I have the most luck on anyways. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll move it to Bumble, but I also don't think I'll be able to answer my first question about like the initiation rate on Bumble. So that's why I was kind of not doing Bumble. Yeah. Keep it to one app. Yeah. I think like Hinge, Hinge is usually my go-to. So, so far what I've noticed, uh, well, LA was interesting. I feel like in SF, everyone is in the industry. Like it's like startup, tech company. LA, everyone was in entertainment. Pretty much everyone I I matched with was at some studio. Like even if like they were, it's like kind of like tech too. It's like you might be in finance, but you're in fintech. Like, people were like, I work at finance at Warner Brothers Studio. Like, there was, like, always, like, some tie to a studio, which I thought was interesting. Mm
2: -hmm. I think
0: also, LA, I found it very diverse, the people that I was, like, seeing on the app and matching with, similar to SF, like a similar racial profiles, very diverse group of people. Um, In terms of people reaching out, I had two people that reached out to me. I think also like the matches, it's hard to gauge like the match level because you're new anywhere. It's going to automatically increase it no matter who you are, right? Because you're like fresh blood in whatever area you are. So I'm not trying to go off that totally, but it's more like conversations that are starting. I would say in like the average week, it was about the same conversations that started with SF people. It wasn't any difference. One guy, super nice intro message, (laughs) replied... Asked him a question, totally went MIA. So same, similar behavior. Same, same. One guy was super adamant about meeting up, even though I don't live there. And now I'm in Austin, Texas. So he's probably just very confused. But <laughs> I was like, how about a virtual date? And he was like, how about we just meet up? So he was like, especially right now, LA, come on, we're like in the height of it right now. But whatever, mm. I won't judge too much. So that yes, was my judging. Like, small observations in LA. Nothing too crazy. Again, maybe I'll get your take. Maybe I should extend my stay in a few of these. Austin, I think has been interesting. Austin, I feel like has been very white, the people that I've matched with. Mm-hmm. Like there's been like, Some diversity, I'm not going to say it's 100% white, but it's noticeable compared to SF in LA. Mm. So that was one thing I noticed. Uh, I noticed a lot more people reaching out to me in Austin, but not saying anything. Just saying like, (laughs) hey, and that's it. Hmm. (laughs) Anyways, I've only been in Austin for a couple days. Maybe I'll stay. Maybe I'll
1: go. What do you think? Where else should I go? I think you should. I'm making a list as you (laughs) speak. I'm gonna live vicariously. So Chicago oh, yeah. is one of those I'm places about I've heard. Dating in Chicago is a very mixed bag. It's like a mix of mid the Midwest and a big city mm. in a way. And and so it draws people who come from all walks of life. So you might see more diversity and backgrounds there. Mm. And that could be very interesting to see. Philly. I want you to go to Philly because Philly is notorious for having the worst dating scene. I've seen it written up multiple articles. I've heard it from friends. I just want you to see if that is truly the case. And if that's the case, why is it? Okay. Okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, Boulder. You have to try Boulder. I really think Boulder has some of the hottest men I've ever seen. They're like lumberjacks and just, they're just cool and they're down to earth, but they're also very noncommittal. So let's see if that's true. I'm going to add Denver
0: also to the list because I feel like menverk stereotype, but then it's also gotten written up as the worst place to date because men just don't put in any effort. For sure. So I'm curious to see if that holds true.
1: Maybe do the Denver-Boulder metro area. Just do that. Whole area. <laughs> and then I think you should go a little bit international here and go to Sicily. Ooh. Anywhere in Sicily, because you have a look that Sicilian men love. So maybe, mm. I, I don't know, just to see, just to see how they, I and mean, they're also like, known to be more aggressive and, yeah. you know, I love to it. take charge more. So Let's Interesting. See what there. I've been
0: huh. I've been told before that I have the look that UK men like also. Again, the sample size is small, right. but mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe I would fare better across the pond, who knows?
1: I mean, why not? <laughs> if you can't physically fly, virtually fly thanks to Hinge.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I think that's really interesting. I want to see if this whole like you and I talked about this article that came out about how like a lot of married men or men that are in relationships have been using dating apps during the quarantine. And I'm curious if that plays out. I haven't seen it much in SF. I mean, granted, I haven't been super... How would you know? (laughs) That's a good point. I haven't been super (laughs) active on the apps either. So I don't know if I really would get that gauge. But I think that whole thing is super fascinating. But people it makes sense. Like there's no bars to troll or anything like that right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So this article for anybody who's not familiar, there's been an increase in people in relationships on dating apps purely for vanity swipes, or maybe they're just so sick of their partner quarantining together. But my guess is for a lot of these married men or men in relationships, they're going to be on Bumble because that's Mm. where you're going to see the most action if you're looking for vanity swipes. I don't think they're going to be on Hinge. I feel like Hinge is a little bit more involved.
0: (laughs) that's a good point. You got to like make a profile and shit. I think like Bumble yeah. and Tinder. Tinder is definitely probably where they're going. The quantity play apps.
1: Uh, Tinder. Yeah. the Tinder first. And then maybe like, yeah, Bumble because, the, you know, the women have to make the first move. So I'm excited to see what comes out of this experiment. But let's say you do meet someone you really click with yeah. in in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? Have you thought about this? It is a possibility.
0: I know. Well, I think there's a couple things that are going to go on. I wonder also what people's reaction will be, like, if I don't live there. I might just say, like, hey, I'm thinking about moving here, or, like, I was just, like, (laughs) scoping it out. You know, like, something not like, oh, I'm doing this dating experiment for a podcast, but...
1: (laughs) And then they Google your name and then they listen to this episode and they're like, (laughs) bamboozled. But I guess, I
0: don't know. It's one of those things that like, it's definitely not ideal to meet someone in a different place. Like for the long term, if I want to stay on this coast. But at the same time, like, what's the harm in opening it up and seeing? I think it would maybe depend where. Like, I think like LA, for example, or Seattle even, or Portland or Denver, or even Austin could be more realistic, mm. just given their, like, location to where I mm-hmm. am.
1: Okay. But well, this I don't will know. Be I'm going to see. I'm gonna keep an open mind. I'm going to keep up open
0: mind. I was hoping that I could be, like, a little, like, my only downside of not catching the married and relationship guys, I thought I was going to be, like, a fuckboy slayer, like, you know, during this whole time. <laughs> You know, like we talked about last week, you're going to be the go- like the ghosting version of To Catch a Predator. I was thinking I could do like a Buffy the Vampire
1: Slayer like reboot. A of- fuckboy slayer. You can still do that. They don't have to be married or in a relationships true. to be a fuckboy. Most of the time they're not in a relationship. And that's why they are a fuckboy. That's true. I can be a fuckboy slayer across the world. Okay, I, I see it in your future, for sure. <laughs> Next time when we go on the news and your name pops up, it will say, fuckboy slayer. Co-host of Dateable and fuckboy slayer. And yours Fuck, is co-host
0: yeah. of Dateable and to catch a ghost.
1: To catch a ghost, yes. <laughs> We're going to be famous because of these. I love these dating experiments, too, because... Um, it's a good way to test out some of your hypotheses. And sometimes, you know, like the, when people think that their city is the worst or yes. when people think that like the way they look is the reason why it, they're not getting the matches. So someone in our Facebook group today posted that she did a experiment where she changed her hair color yeah, from redhead to brunette and she was getting a totally different response which I can totally see. I think
0: that is a good experiment. I've thought about like doing an experiment on a dating app where I change my photo to someone. Like your, you know, catch a ghost photo, right? This like gorgeous Mm -hmm. girl. But I'm like, what am I gonna do with that information? You know, like there's nothing I can, besides feel badly, like there's nothing that's really gonna come out of that test.
1: I, I get it. But you can also just change, not like your pictures, but change your name. Like what if you change your name to Anya? I bet you would get a totally different response. Okay. Or you change your occupation.
0: I mean, I guess it's the same as the location, but at least with location, I could potentially end up dating this person. Right. Like if I changed my name to Anya, (laughs) and then I met someone I was into, and they were like, wait, why is your name Anya? I mean, I
1: guess I could. Perfect explanation. I'm a famous podcast host, and I don't want people Googling me. So I use an alias on dating apps. Maybe I should be changing my name. (laughs) Change it every week. Change your location and change your name. Too many variables. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I
0: know. That'll be next time. Or if, if one of our brave listeners wants to do this experiment... We can have a couple people doing experiments. Maybe this is something in our Facebook group. We should have a few people doing experiments every week and reporting back.
1: I feel like a lot of people are doing them already. So reach out to us. What are the dating (laughs) experiments you've done? What have you seen? We want to learn from you. Can I also reveal this Bumble hack that Brian posted in our Facebook group? I love this. This is insane. So one of our Facebook group members posted that if you go into Bumble and get rid of all the filters, and then you go back to your matches... The first several profiles you'll see will be the ones who swiped right on you. I think it's
0: so fascinating. One person did call out, though, like, aren't these the people that you've purposely filtered out? The person that posted the hack, his response was, well, if I'm getting zero matches, I'd rather get some. Maybe. I think it could be a really interesting test, too, to see if the things that you perceived as filters that you wanted to remove actually held true when you saw the people.
1: Yeah, because I, when he posted that, I thought, that's the ultimate lesson, is when you remove all your filters, yeah. then And you never know who you're going to meet and you can date more openly, I guess. Yeah. No,
0: I think it's an interesting one. I'm definitely curious if people do it and if they see people there that they might have filtered out that they're actually excited about.
1: Yeah. Well, let's get to our episode. We're still (laughs) in the off season, but that doesn't mean we don't bring you fresh content. This is a bonus episode. We are re-airing our interview on Kimmy Seltzer's uh, The Charisma Quotient Podcast, where we talked about dating trends, basically the whole gamut, not just dating trends post and pre-COVID, but future dating trends, what we see happening with gender roles, what we see happening with online dating. And she she has such expertise in image consulting. Mm-hmm. So she can do these like, I don't know, image makeovers. And her theory is, um, what was it? Helping you from the outside in. Yeah.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. <And I> th- <laughs> At first, it sounded like a little superficial, but mm-hmm. I think, like, when she peeled back the layers on it, and we're actually going to have a whole episode on our uh, podcast for season 11 with Kimmy, just talking about this in much more depth. But I think her point was like, there's little hacks you can do that make you instantly boost your confidence. Mm-hmm. She's a former therapist, so she's by no means saying, like, don't work on the inside, but sometimes that stuff can take many years to unravel. We're like, for example, the shirt I'm wearing right now, people can't see it unless you're on our youtube channel that (laughs) is new that ua has been putting together so check that out that's a little plug if you want to see my shirt color but (laughs) for everyone who can't it's like a pink color and i personally never thought that much about this shirt and then i wore it one day and ua's like wear that when we do the interview on um, kqed she's like there's something about that color that brings out like your like it makes you vitality yeah like
1: well no the exact (laughs) word i used was makes you look fertile. Yes, you
0: did. I did. I I use that word.
1: It works.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But now when I wear this shirt, I because you gave me that compliment, a few other people told me that I looked good in this color. Now I'm like, oh, I have this like more confident approach when I'm wearing this shirt. So Mm -hmm. I think it is like those little tweaks. And we're actually going to do an image consultancy with Kimmy. So maybe Mm -hmm. that's actually the perfect before and after profile test.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, I think I could do like a photo of what I looked like before, like my current photos, and then how she changes my style. And then that could be really interesting.
1: And her point isn't about changing how you look. Like yeah. it's not an overhaul of your looks. It's more about stepping into the image you want to portray versus being in the shadows. And she gave gave this really good example of when she was going through some tough times. She would always wear black, and she felt like she was in the shadows and always invisible. Until one day she put on a red dress, and she felt like she, she was wearing a costume because she didn't feel like fully engaged in who she is, and she didn't feel like herself. So anyway, obviously she's going to talk about this on her episode, but it's a really great way to think about how you can like marry the external and the Mm -hmm. internal of your personal development. So before we get to this episode, I do want to give a quick shout out to My Imaginary Friends, a podcast hosted by Elle Penelope, which is part of our podcast network called Frolic. You'll get a behind the scenes look at an author navigating the publisher world, as well as thoughts and tips on creativity, inspiration, and writing routines and more. If you're an established or aspiring writer or a reader who always wanted to peek into an aspiring writer's life, this is the podcast for you. Just go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely checking it out because I have always dreamed of writing a book. So I think this feels like the perfect podcast to
1: tune into. And fascinating, a writer taking her experience into audio. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. The
0: other shout out that we'll do is... Definitely follow us on Instagram. I feel like Instagram, we've been doing a lot of like fun, more interactive polls that we're gonna keep doing. Like we've been doing like the would you rather segment and just some other things that tend to come in there. I think like this whole concept of what makes you dateable or what does dateable mean to you? We have that as our question on the Facebook group and we'll start bringing that stuff to Instagram too. Instagram is probably like our most engaged channel outside of the Facebook group. So definitely if you're not following us yet, Follow
1: us there. Bada boom. Yes. And then another reminder is to rate us in Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Write us a review. All of that really helps for us to sustain our podcast and to make sure that we bring you some awesome guests for season 11. So thank you to all of you who've already written reviews and given us five stars, and we could always use more. And if you do really love us, please tell a friend. This is a gift that you could give to your friend who may be in the trenches of dating right now, or who is just maybe nosy about how people date these days.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we have so many of those people, like the ones (laughs) that just, you know, like want to be like live vicariously and just see what dating culture
1: is all about. That's me living vicariously through Julie, dating through Italy. (laughs) That's what you need to do. Julie dating through Italy. That would be our next segment. (laughs) I do want to point
0: out though, I feel like some of our topics though really apply to people in long-term relationships Mm -hmm. and marriages. I mean, the last season finale was all about marriage. So I think there's something for everyone here. So no matter your relationship status, we welcome you.
1: Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're always trying to connect with other human beings. And that's what our focus is, is connection. And back to Kimmy's episode, so we're going to start this episode after her intro where she gets very, very excited and curious about diaper fetishes. I don't, I, I forget how we even brought this up, but we had a whole conversation about diaper fetishes. I think it's because when we describe
0: our podcast and she was reading right. this as the intro, we always talk about like the wide range of topics that we cover. So we talk about sex parties to sex droughts date fails to diaper fetishes and first moves to first love. So when she started reading diaper fetishes, she was just like, wait, what am I reading right now? So that's kind of where we went in. But yeah, she definitely found the diaper fetish part. Very interesting. So yeah, we'll <laughs> cut to her reaction there.
1: So here is Kimmy Seltzer.
0: <laughs>
1: Welcome, ladies. Hey. (laughs) Hello, Kimmy. Do you really want to know what a diaper fetish is? Because we can surely go into it. Okay.
2: (laughs) Thank you for just like starting there because I actually was going to ask that later on as we warmed up, but I love that you just dove into the
1: diaper. (laughs) So please, what is that? It's pretty much exactly as it sounds. It's Well, there's actually a whole range of fetishes when it comes to diaper fetish. It could be someone who really gets off on seeing their partner in diaper, or they get off on themselves wearing adult diapers. Or in the case of the man we interviewed, he really just... Loves seeing his fiancé walk around the house in diapers, like twice a month, like not every day. He's very reasonable, but he also thinks it's very stress-relieving to wear a diaper himself and just change into a diaper after work.
0: You know what the funny part is, though, Kimmy, is when UA and I got off the phone with him, we were both like... You know, if we met that perfect guy and the only problem was that he wanted to us to throw on a diaper here and there, maybe we'd be down with it. You know, like, there's a lot worse. Oh my company. God.
2: I, like Some of you can't see me right now, but my jaw is just kind of like dropping. <laughs> and here I am a therapist, like, you know, not too many things shock me. And I'd actually love to hop on a call with that guy to see what that's all about. But that's super interesting. But have you ever seen that before or heard that before or just that guy?
0: Well, the funny, the interesting part is that the reason why this all started on our podcast is we had a guest who came to us with a story how she was like propositioned for the diaper fetish. So it was from her perspective. And then we actually had this guest reach out because he heard the episode. So I think that's like one of the things that we've realized is everything kind of comes full circle and no one is alone in their situation in modern
1: dating. Oh my God. And he went through years of therapy because he wanted to get to the bottom where this fetish came from. And nobody could figure it out. He did. He was not abused as a child. Nothing happened during his childhood. He actually comes from a very normal family. Wow. So he just he saw a commercial. He remembers seeing a commercial when he was 13, and he was turned on by seeing an adult in a diaper. And it was sort sort of like a funny comedic commercial. They were making fun of a situation. But he got turned on by it, and that's where it sends from.
2: Wow. I might have to have him on a coaching with Kim episode, but that's just, yes. I, I know I digress. Um, okay. I want to hear more about these fetishes and trends and all of that stuff. But before we get into it, I would love to hear like your lady's backstory. Like how oh did God. you even get to where you are right now and doing
1: this? Very and good question. Good I know it's like, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're so polite. We're like, we're we're like we've done this. We've done this story so many times now. we're like, I'll just, I'll let you start, Julie. But uh, basically the short of it is Julie and I met through mutual friends when I first moved to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And Julie had been in San Francisco for many, many years. And it was my first time ever living in the city. And we started talking about modern dating, not just about San Francisco dating, but I was dating in New York and Beijing Mm -hmm. and LA and comparing the differences. And we both thought, oh my gosh, this would be a fantastic podcast. We have to talk about it because so much is happening in modern dating. So that very same year, we said, let's just try it. Let's, let's put it in audio yeah, and just
0: some more background too, is that at the time, I had a startup that was like a human connection platform because ah. I had been on dating apps for a long time at that point, and I felt like it was flawed. And I felt like just meeting in real life was really hard this day and age. So I created this company that basically matched people with similar interests over brunch. So as a way to meet new people in real life. And it actually started as a dating app idea, but it kind of morphed into something bigger to just like bring back the days where you would organically meet. So I had this interest and then UA was dating coach in New York and then just all over the world. And we actually met through the mutual... Friend at one of my events, so we met there the first time. But then we continued to hang out with the mutual friend, and then it kind of evolved into our own friendship. And you know, as two single ladies do, we talked about modern dating all the time and what the fuck was up with it. Can we swear on your podcast? I'm you totally just did, so yeah.
2: I think we're starting <laughs> at a trend right here. <laughs> I'm a charisma quotient as you guys bring that element. No, I love
0: it. I love it. Is I love it. that char- is that charismatic or not? Is the question. It depends, right? Like,
2: it depends who you are, how you use it and all that. But that is your, it's funny, I had somebody on here who that was her brand you know that word Mm. was in her brand and and my producers were like no we gotta replace that because (laughs) saying it too many times and it's not charismatic in that way but when you're saying it okay you know like in this context it's fun
0: so Uh, the line is once in a while is charismatic
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. once every 20 minutes (laughs) right well
2: it's like anything right anything in a in Excess can be too much, right? Like, and I think that goes along with what we probably see with the dating world. I wondered, so, like, as you ladies were getting into all this together, and you were single and all that, have you used like your research and just also your observation of all this to help you with your own life? Oh yeah, in relation to it, yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. We both
1: we date so differently now. When we both started the podcast. I feel like espe- especially for me, I had very strong traditional views about dating and I had rules and I had all these mm. guidelines for myself. Mm. And now 10 seasons later of the Dateable podcast, I feel like anything goes and I'm constantly questioning the rules that I have in my head.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, like it was interesting because when we first started the podcast, I was in a relationship and UA was single. I think we've both ebbed and flowed throughout the whole time of being in relationships, out of relationships. I mean, we've been doing this for four years. So in four years, like things are going to happen. And I think for me, it was, I always thought everything was about me. Like when I would go on a date and it wouldn't work out, I would think it's like all about me at all times. And I think from doing this podcast, it really helped me understand how people think about dating and that we're all kind of facing the same stuff and people just make crazy interpretations all the time like one of our favorite episodes we do is kind of like this he said she said perception of a date because you never get feedback on a date
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: it's always fascinating to hear how two people can have wildly different experiences expectations perceptions all of that so it's really helped humble myself I think especially as I'm dating again It's like, Uh, it's not all about me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I used to be a matchmaker as well. Mm -hmm. My repertoire of my... Own journey, and I, I too found that so fascinating because, you know, I would hear different perspectives of the story of their date, and I'd be like, "Were you guys on the same date?" (laughs) Like, like they were, they had totally two different views. And I always tell people because I think a lot of women, and this is what I see with some of my clients, especially ones who are caretakers, Mm -hmm. they're much more readily like to blame themselves for something or take something in Mm -hmm. versus, you know, oh, looking at other things. And what I tell people is that it's not about blaming, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're only 50% of the equation, right? And so these people are gonna do what they're gonna do, but all you can do is look at what you can do differently to change the result of what you're getting. And that's the empowerment, I think. And that's why I love what you guys are doing because there's a lot of empowerment knowing that, people are really finding things that are challenging all over the
0: world that are similar. And you know Mm -hmm. what else is fascinating, Kimmy? It's not just women. I think you and I both, we both came in thinking that our listener base would be 100% women. And we thought that women and men would have drastically different challenges when it came to dating. Mm -hmm. And our listener base is like, 6040 it's still like a little skewing women but it's still way more men than we thought and their challenges are almost identical like it's crazy totally. how different mm-hmm. it's become
2: Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that because my men are always surprised to hear that the women get coached and, and same vice versa. Like men Mm -hmm. are like, you coach women? Like what do you ladies have to worry about? You know, know. it's fascinating.
1: I know men just think women don't need any help. And then we're just sitting ducks waiting for all these men to come to us. And they feel like we get all these matches on dating apps and we- we spend most of our time trying to figure out who to go on a date with. And that's just not the fairy tale that they think it is.
0: You know, it's one of those things you and I always say, it's like, where is the mismatch though? Because we hear of all these women wanting serious relationships, all these men wanting serious relationships, but for whatever reason, they cannot find each other. Or they don't like each other. And I think there's, it's very fascinating.
2: Well, let's get into that because I am interested in kind of the, the stuff that you're finding that's out there in relation to that. Like, what are some of the gender differences that you're seeing in this modern world? Like, are there? Yeah, I know there's commonalities, but are there differences?
1: Let's take a pause here for Demi Moore. Yes, you heard that right. She has a new podcast out called Dirty Diana, a new six part sex positive fictional podcast created by Shauna Festi. Diana secretly runs an erotic website where women reveal their intimate sexual fantasies as an escape from her carefully curated life and dying marriage. Dirty Diana is a show for all of us who are craving connection and searching for a new kind of erotica. Subscribe today wherever you find your favorite shows and check Check out Q Code Media for more info. That's Q-C-O-D-E-Media.com. Presented by Dipsy. Here's a quick preview.
2: Stars shining bright above
0: you. It makes me want to touch myself. Thy seem to
1: whisper, I love you. Just the thought. Birds singing in the second morning. You want me to touch dreams. myself? Dream a little dream yes. of me. All right, we're recording. And now back to our show.
2: What are some of the gender differences that you're seeing in this modern world? Like, are there? Yeah, I know there's commonalities, but are there
1: differences? I think one of the biggest differences is that we always assume the other gender is going through something different than what we're going through. Mm -hmm. So what we end up doing is we make excuses for the other gender, Mm -hmm. whether it's, oh, I think, He is experiencing societal pressure, or she is experiencing professional pressure. For some reason, we keep making excuses for each other versus actually communicating with each other and saying, "How can we come to an agreement about this?" And this is the main problem we see a lot with modern dating: is that people just don't give each other enough time because we they make all these assumptions, Mm -hmm. they make all these excuses up front, they ignore the red flags, and they think one date, if we don't feel the chemistry or I don't feel like we could we ha- could have a future together, and then adios, we're done. And that's not how a strong relationship is formed. A relationship is formed over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think a, a difference too is that It's really fascinating time, actually, for gender roles that we've gone through. It's like women have been evolving over these years. We've been kind of told to go after things and make the first moves. And there's even studies that like men like the first move. And we actually just did a episode in our podcast about a woman proposing. And we, the some of the stats, it's still only like 5%. So it's one of those things that even though in theory, everyone's saying do it and we want it and more women are doing it, it's still not the total norm. And I think that's been fascinating is that there's still this like, like straddle between the traditional and the new way of thinking a lot, especially for women that are like probably like 35 plus, right. That we've like been in like this, both UA and I are what we call elder millennials, like we're in our (laughs) late thirties and, you know, we straddle just this new way of thinking, but just, the stuff that's been put in our heads for so long. And it's really tough to break out of that sometimes. So I think women definitely struggle with that a bit more. And then men also struggle with it, but in different ways. Like, for example, when the check comes, like they still know that women kind of expect them to pay, but then also they make potentially less than women nowadays. Like there's just so much confusion in general and, also, like men have always been told to be a certain way, and there's been not as much fluidity as women have had. So, there's this whole like remaking masculinity and what does it mean mm-hmm. to be a man today? And I think men are really just going through that now, whereas women, we've started going through that a couple years ago.
2: Oh, like I'm really glad we're talking about this because I, I would say this is such a hot topic. With all my clients that I work with, men, women, from 16 all the way up to 85, it doesn't matter. There, there's this, you know, kind of like you you said, you're straddling of, of both, you know, worlds almost. Because in the modern day world, I think there's different expectations also than how it was back in the day before women worked even. Mm-hmm. And so, are there any statistics or just trends that you're seeing in how? like women and men are navigating
1: that like like the roles like the traditional roles. It's such a seesaw effect because mm. what we hear from a lot of women is a chip on their shoulder. I think a lot of women have this narrative in their mind. I work this hard to get to this level in my career. I'm super independent. I can go after anything I want. So why can't I find a man that deserves me? But then when it comes to male, female gender roles, if a, if a man is not manly enough or is the Mm -hmm. aggressor or making the first move, then the woman's like, well, you should be, you should be the one, you should be the man in the situation. The man's like. I actually don't know what message you're trying to give me. Are you are you saying you're independent? You can go after whatever you want. Um, you can take control of your life. Yet you still want me to do certain things for you without you asking. So then the the men are kind of like, okay, do I step back? Do I come? Do I you know give you give you a little bit here or take back a little bit? And then the women, I think again, beyond all of this, the other chip on the shoulder is. Why have we assumed so many freaking roles? We've, mm-hmm. we are the mother, the um, caregiver, we are the housekeeper. We are everything right now. We are the career woman and we're just freaking exhausted. In the words of Ali Wong, I just want to lie down, right? We just want yeah. to lie down. We're so <laughs> exhausted looking for a partner who can just take over some of the responsibilities. But for some reason, a lot of us just don't have the tools to communicate those needs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think what else is really interesting too, it's again, it comes back to this like straddling new and old. It's like men still have this like feeling that I want a relationship once I get my, like once I'm on a good path in life, like once I can be a provider, once I have a job that I'm happy with and I like pays the bills well, and I can support a family, like all Mm -hmm. of this stuff, like that old tradition hasn't gone away completely, even though it, it's it's hard i mean like in our especially like millennial generation too even younger it's like we've been through so many recessions at this point and now we're in another one right and it's really hard for people to potentially get to that place where they can be financially safe and sound so it's kind of a double edged sword it's like are you going to wait forever for things to be perfect what over like just go and dive into a relationship and work together. And I think women are much better multitaskers than men. Like we can get our career in order, have a relationship. Like all this happens simultaneously where men are very singular focused. So we've seen a lot of stories and we had experts on our show too that talk about like how the man will meet like Miss Wright, but it's it's still not gonna work because they're not where they need to be right now. And we've seen that as a trend more and more, especially with men, but even women, it's like, I need to get me in order first and I date me first. I love this
2: conversation because, you know, I, I've been talking a lot about where I almost feel like we're in a state of recalibration. You know, it's like Mm. the pendulum effect. You know, I think we were once over, you know, all the way over here. And then we had to swing all the way to the other side, and that's not good either. So it's almost somewhere in between, and we're all mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that looks like and, and really what makes sense in terms of even attraction in the roles right. that we play out. And really the answer lies within, and this is why... So. I, I can't tell you how many flirt workshops I've been doing more and more lately really so much of the answer lies within flirtation and I think just even understanding what flirtation is and being in your feminine without losing that that independence because I think women also think like oh my gosh if I flirt then oh you know I'll be seen as dumb and that you know Mm -hmm. I can do it of that, the, that I can do it kind of attitude. And so I always say like both genders have responsibility and approachability. And it's what you guys said is so true is that we're each blaming each other. But if we take a look at our responsibility as a woman and as a man, how can we like work in this new world so that we come together because otherwise no one's meeting anyone.
0: I think what's really great right now is that women have the femininity that they've always had. Right. But we're also embracing more masculinity. Yes. Right. Like we're going after things. We're not sitting passive and that's all really great qualities. And I think actually with this whole redefinition of manhood, it's allowing men to also access their feminine side, which is great, because that's why men have like built up so much like anger and just, you know, just outlets that aren't productive. And it's great that we're making this more socially acceptable that you can have both. But I think to your point, Kimmy, it's like, how do we work together to balance both? Because if we don't have some of that, there's just going to be no attraction. Like there's exactly like, yeah, like the principles of attraction haven't gone away completely, but we, it's a good thing too, though, because we don't want just For example, for women, we don't want men that have no emotions. Like we do want both, but we also want to feel protected and attracted to our men too. So it's, it's, yeah, it's tough to navigate.
1: It's a problem when we're at a stalemate. That's a problem because we feel like when it comes to dating, who can show the least interest wins first. Mm -hmm. And that's not how this (laughs) war is won because it's not a war. So I kind of equated to any wedding reception where... If it's always like the drunk guy that gets on the dance floor first and the drunk Bridesmaid right and those are the two (laughs) people who start the party because they have no shame And they're just like let's just let's just get this dance started But for everybody else They're just trying to be the last one on the dance floor because for some reason pride is keeping them from getting there but to get into a relationship, you have to do the dance first. So we have to think about like, how do we get out of this stalemate and for both parties to make little moves towards each other?
2: You know, I, this reminds me because I literally just got off the like a coaching session with a client and often I'll go into people's like Bumble accounts and I I get really meta with them and I'm like, I, things aren't progressing on Bumble. I'm like, great. Just let's pull up your profile and see what's happening. And it's not until I lift the hood. You know, so to speak, I start seeing a lot of things that are like dysfunctional. Um, And so what was happening is she was not getting asked out at all. Like this had to do with approachability online. And I think it's really important to talk about because that's where we are right now. Like, how do you progress in the virtual world? You know, we -hmm. we can't go to a dance anymore or at a bar. So, um, you know, this, this woman, all she was doing was she just kept asking questions and she was, like, interrogating this guy, right? And mm. then she wasn't hinting at all that she wanted to, like, see him or being playful or flirtatious. It, I literally thought I was reading a LinkedIn exchange. Like,
0: that's wow. how bad
1: it was, you know? mm. Yeah. Well, and,
0: this is, it's hard now, too, because men aren't always making that first move anymore because of just, like, everything with Me Too also. It's, like, a lot of men are just very timid at this point. So, I think just like the best way to get things going, and this is something I did in real life when we can meet in real life, but we got this advice from our podcast too. It's like exchange at least three things about someone, like learn three Mm -hmm. solid facts about them because you don't, those people that just go in hot and are like, let's meet up or even nowadays, let's video chat when you haven't done anything, it's too much. But you also don't want to be in this extensive, I'm going to chat with you, like text black call, right? Yeah. So we think it's good to do this three. It doesn't have to be three verbatim, like around three though. It's like enough that you get a feel of this person. Like you can even ask just basic questions of where are you from? Like, You know, like, like very basic stuff to get the ball rolling. And then I think like what I would do in the past is just say, hey, like, I'd love to continue this conversation, like through text, just to get it off the app and then move it forward. Or you could even say, like, hey, I'd love to like continue this conversation on FaceTime or on the video chat. And even a lot of dating apps today are creating video chat right within there if you're not ready to give your personal number. So there's so many yeah. options to move it along.
2: Those are, that, those are great suggestions. And I want to say too, is that a lot of women, I don't know if you're seeing this too trending is that they, they don't know the difference between being aggressive and assertive versus flirtatious. Mm, right. And so like the other day there was somebody who wanted to go on a zoom call or even listen to his voice. Cause it was a black hole for sure. They kept texting over and over again. And she wanted to say, you know, well, let's move this or let let's go to a Zoom date. And and she mm. was she was saying it so that it was almost like a business exchange. Mm. And I said, but what if you said instead, you know, I wonder what your voice sounds right. like. Like that's different. Like that's dropping the hanky and still getting it to the next level without being the aggressive. So I think that's also like important conversation. Absolutely. Or like one of the things, if it
0: was like in real life meeting, what I would used to do is like, if you're talking for a bit and you're like, Hey, like, it seems like we're really jiving. Like, I feel like this could be a good conversation in person. So we're not like texting with it. So it's Moving it along, but it's not seeming super eager also.
1: Right, right. There is a fine line. I totally agree with you, Kimmy, around aggression, assertiveness, and also flirtatiousness. We had a member on our Facebook group the other day post this dilemma she had. She finally Mm. met up with this guy that she'd been chatting with. And after spending a day with each other and a sleepover, she was joking about that he better call her the next day. Just joking. And he, he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he never called her the next day. So she wanted to get some advice from the men in the group. And a lot of the men were saying, Well, if you joke about it, I don't know if right. you're serious. Yeah. You know, that's not that's not a hint to me. That's more, are you joking because you don't want to talk to me tomorrow? Or are you being demanding? I don't really know. So it's sort of confusing, but it would be nicer. Like what what do you think would be a, a more flirtatious way of getting him to call her the next day?
2: Well, you know, you're right. And and I say all the time, like, men really need directives. Like, we women can read subtexts, right, with mm-hmm. each other, because I think we're socialized that way, to be honest, it yes. is to almost be indirect versus yeah. direct. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So that's our language. And so we can really, like get messages underneath it where men do not get that. No. But I think it's also it's not just what you say, it's how you deliver it as well. Right. Mm, and right. so it's the tonality, it's the playfulness in your voice cuz like to your point, like that delivery of that line could have been effective had it been with a little wink and a smile and a little flirtatious right. with it and be like, no, seriously, like I would love to hear your voice. And that means yes. like, what do you right. think about a call? Wink wink. You know, like instead of saying, Well, how about if we move this to a call, I'm available Wednesday at five PM? Like that's <laughs> like a business
0: transaction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And then
1: ending that with haha, L O L just. Kidding. LOL. <laughs> and <then they're>
2: just <laughs>
0: like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I think also one of the things that we've heard from men over and over again that women are still hesitant to do is just like at the end of a date or even at the end of a video date, it could just be like, I had a really good time. Like I really enjoyed meeting you or hanging out with you. And a lot of women are like, well, that sounds really overeager. And it's mm-hmm. not, if you say it, you're just giving someone permission to make the next move, especially in a world today where men are a little hesitant to make that next move.
2: Yes, yes, and and I think both genders struggle with the ending on dates, oh, and yeah. this is another. Oh, yeah. That's an, and this is another opportunity for the flirtation piece too. Is that you know I always say you don't have to be so literal either. Like you could no. still be playful in the in the follow up as well. So even using the conversation that night and then taking it to the next place. So remember when we were talking about chocolate, you said that you had that place that you wanted to take. Yeah. I'm really curious about that place, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of thing and -hmm. and see how that, you know, feels, but you're right. Like any, a man needs that assurance that, hey, I like you and I want to see you again somehow. You right.
0: Know? So. so they're not like a harasser, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think also though it's like yeah. we say like people are always just playing relationship relationship chicken right now. Like No one wants to show <sighs> that they are more invested than the other person. I actually think that is the biggest downfall downfall of modern dating today because it just leaves both people ambiguous and no one's that excited about it. And when there's like a lukewarm feeling, it's almost worse than a terrible date Mm -hmm. or an amazing date, right? I mean, obviously amazing date is the best situation, but (laughs) I think it's worse than the lukewarm date because you're just like, eh, I could take it or leave it. And then usually you end up leaving it because other things come in the way. So when someone goes that extra mile to tell you they had a really good time or whatever that may be, it might actually make something that was lukewarm, bring it to the surface and make it something that you pursue and then chemistry grows over time opposed to, oh, I didn't feel an immediate spark. It was okay, but I'm not going to pursue it anymore.
2: Yes. Yes. I love that you just said relationship chicken. Like that's a really (laughs) good good term. Are there some other terms that are kind of like hot right now that I'd love to go over that because it keeps changing, especially
1: right now. We had a new one that popped up. We did a whole <laughs> episode on it. Zumping. Dumping Zumping. In the zoo. Yes. That's <sighs> a hot one.
0: Yep. So I dumping made up a new one. New.
2: Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I
0: made up a new one the other day. Cause you know, like, um, when you've been, you've been with, like, you've been out without sex for a long time. Oh yes. And you're like in, um, oh my God, now I'm blanking on it. <laughs> I say it was like. And by the way, that's another thing that
2: everyone is struggling with. Like people who
1: are isolated right now
2: and not being able to touch anybody. Like that is a big thing.
1: We did a whole episode on virtual sex and phone sex. So that really happening? Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Play parties, sex parties are taking their events online and they're selling out like crazy. Totally. I think
0: one thing that's coming back, this is the term I coined just now. Oh, good. Instead of slump buster, because that's like been like if you've been a little in a dry spell and you finally find someone that you'll have sex with, to break the dry spell. I think one of the things that people need to be wary of is the quarantine buster. Because it's like we've all been in quarantine for like three months and if you're single Mm -hmm. and haven't had any like long-term prospects or anyone that you've been with you might like I think there's a chance that someone might fall victim if they think that something's going a certain way where the other person's intentions might just be to like get out of that slump so
2: oh yeah um, good point that's a really good point Wait with the okay. So I'm still like fixated on the sex party. So okay, <laughs> I'm just trying to like understand. So like, do do what do Zoom bombers do in a sex party? Because I mean, you're already they're already having a sex party. Does that like what? How does that even work? Is it, it like a group thing or?
1: Yeah, it's different variations. It could okay. be a sex centered show. So there could be a tease mm-hmm. happening. It could be group um, activities so everybody strip at the same time or everybody play this exotic exo- erotic game exotic and erotic <laughs> exotic <game>. and erotic <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know the rule is everyone has to participate you can't be that perverted lurker with your video off and you're on oh. mute everybody has to be an equal participant and that's what makes these events really successful but they've they've been really popular
0: yeah and wow. it can be anything to like doing something a little more PG like sharing sexy stories to full out orgies and people like masturbating at home. So it can go really extreme. But then we've also just we had someone on our podcast that does like art of virtual sex and like uh, phone Ah. sex workshops. So he just like teaches people about how to really engage in phone sex. Cause it's something that can be a little intimidating if you've never done mm-hmm. it before, yeah. but the way he was describing it, it's just, there's so much sensuality with it. Like having someone's voice in your ear, Like if you're like, away from them right now and you're on your bed laying down and you have someone's voice in your ear, there's something really that gives a lot of closeness to that. And he also said it doesn't need to be like full on sex immediately. It can just be, I want to hold you right now, or I'm imagining myself kissing you. It doesn't need to be like, Mm -hmm. go.
1: (laughs) Intimacy. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it.
2: Synonymous of what I'm seeing with emotional connection now, in mm-hmm. in ways that it's forcing people to to slow down, and also giving people permission to do some stuff like this, where maybe they always wanted to work on their sex life and how to give themselves pleasure, or even work on just the, you know feeling better about their body. Yep, and because they're not in the physical world, getting caught up in all that, it gives them this almost permission. I don't know how else to put it. It's very interesting.
0: Yeah. That's what he was saying that even once we're out of quarantine, like I mean, first of all, sex parties probably aren't going to happen for a very long time because that's like the epitome of a lot of people touching each other. But yeah. he sees that virtual sex parties and just virtual sex will continue even past the point of that we can be with people again, just because mm-hmm. it does provide another outlet, like you were just saying, Kimmy, yeah. that lets people just engage with themselves more, engage in like fetishes. Maybe you have that secret diaper fetish, right? Oh my God, God. Bring <laughs> you, right? this is Kimmy your did. opportunity to test <laughs> Would not being judged at all. I see her <laughs>
1: ordering on Amazon right now.
2: So oh my god, owner. I'm gonna be going on your show, and you're gonna see like a diaper on my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's oh my Kimmy just like really. Yeah. Um, I so one last like trends that I was interested in. Do, do you have any statistics or just things that you're noticing about the different generations?
1: Hmm. Statistics wise, we, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we've done an episode on Gen Zers and mm-hmm. how different they are. So it feels like we're going back towards the traditional it really feels like Gen X and millennials were the ones that went a little crazy and really experimented with non-traditional lifestyles, really like thought outside the box. And Gen Zers saw all this happening and thought, I really like the way my grandparents do things. (laughs) It seems safer. It seems simpler. I think Mm. I just want to go to simpler times. So the statistics we've been seeing is that they delay relationships because they actually believe in lasting relationships. Uh, they they really believe in dating one person at a time, so they don't really believe in the hookup culture. They're not sleeping around as much. In fact, there's a sex drought with Gen Zers, and they just really I think they value human relationships and connections much more. So, uh, you know, the, the research we've done Gen Zers feel like if you meet someone that's not online, like you met them in person, that's, that's like a unicorn relationship that you hold on to.
0: I think too, just all what you just said is going to start to trickle to all the generations with COVID, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, we are going, the hookup culture is going to die because people are going to be worried about germs now, right? There's like more stuff. You're not going to just hook up with any last person from Tinder. You're going to be on video calls a lot more and vet a lot more people and probably really just pursue one person at a time again. So I think a lot of the traditional will come back from COVID-19 just because of the scare and just the way things are netting out. But I also think this time in quarantine has really shown like the value of monogamous relationships. Like we've even talked to polyamorous couples that are now quarantined with one partner who was so anti monogamy that are like, actually, this is pretty good. Like there's a value here. Or again, just for the safety reasons, like they might just not be pursuing it as much as they once were. So I think just regardless of your age, that trend is going to come back. Mm -hmm. And we find our listeners, like we have a lot of people, we kind of have like a few different groups of people. We have like, The people that are very new to relationships, like maybe they're in their early 20s or they're just like, late bloomers in their 30s like very little relationship history but then we also have this cohort of people that are divorced and they're back out there and this is their mm-hmm. first time dating and they've never done online dating and dating apps before and honestly the differences between the groups are not all that different which is fascinating yeah. there's more like life experience for the second cohort and relationship experience but then the benefit of the first cohort is they're kind of like fresh like they don't have any biases in any way. So it's fascinating. There's definitely similarities and differences, but I think there's even more similarities between generations than you would ever expect.
2: Wow. Well, I guess the bottom line is like how we started. We're we're all really not that different. You know, men, women, different ages. You know, I think we all want the same thing fundamentally. And that is that love that we're seeking. And it starts with ourselves. And I think this is a time that we're we're able to do that. And I think because of that, we're going to attract something better. And we'll, I think that we're actually going to come out even better than we were before. I really believe that because of a lot of the stuff that you're saying. Well, ladies, I could literally talk to you forever. I was just like, oh my God, this is so fun. Maybe we'll do a part two at some point. Um, Do you have any like last words of wisdom or stories you want to share? And then please let us know how we can find you.
1: I would just say exactly what you just said. I think the silver lining of this entire situation is putting us in the same boat and knowing that we're all in this together and seeing all the similarities versus all the differences. So when we come out of this, it's no longer me versus you when it comes to modern dating. It's how can we get through this world and create a life together, which is a much better way of building a relationship.
0: I think we need to remember that we all used to complain about dating. Like that's part of why (laughs) we have a podcast is there's been so many dating horror stories and all this stuff. And I don't think we should go back to the way it was. Like, why is that what we want to do when it was something that we were just complaining about? I think what's really nice about this situation, and by no means am I saying COVID nineteen was a good thing overall, like definitely wish it didn't happen. But Mm -hmm. if it's happening, we might as well make the best of the situation. And I think we can take the parts of dating that were working, but then reinvent the parts that weren't. So let's make that new normal into something that we actually want, because I would think that actually more men and women do want the same thing and more different people of different generations want the same thing. And then just where you can find us um, really on every podcast player like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, pretty much anything. And then just datablepodcast.com and at podcast on Instagram.
2: Oh, awesome. I can't thank you enough for coming on. This was so fun and informative. And I really, I do feel like it gave a sense of normalcy, you know, just what we're all going through and and having that support. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank this you. was so fun. This has been the Charisma Quotient, and I am your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. Remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, kimmyseltzer.com. And if you're finding yourself having a hard time navigating this modern dating thing and want to know more, click the link in the show description. I'd love to get on a call with you and just see how I can help map out a plan for you. It's not easy, especially if it's all new for you. It starts with a call. So stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.
1: The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Datable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag StayDateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, DatablePodcast.com.